Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Stuff We Love podcast. For this, our 10th episode, we're going to be discussing last night's Academy Awards. I will share my experience at a special Harry Potter concert evening, discuss our favorite film scores and soundtracks, share some exciting news about our website, and of course, we'll go over the Stuff We Love segment. So let's meet the hosts. I'm Jack. I'm Scott. And you're listening to the Stuff We Love podcast. Welcome to Stuff We Love podcast. Last night were the 90th Academy Awards, which, as they always do every year, concluded the movie awards season. Here are a few thoughts on last night's awards ceremony. The first thought I had watching this is that from an acting perspective, the big winner was Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. This film brought the two top prizes in the acting categories. Frances McDormand won Best Actress and Sam Rockwell won Best Actor. I believe this was McDormand's second Oscar win and Rockwell's first. He's a very good actor. I've always enjoyed watching him, so it was cool to see him win the award. So that's the first thought I had watching the show. The second thought deals with the film The Shape of Water, which won the Best Picture Prize, and Guillermo del Toro, who was the director of the film, won Best Director. So it was a big winner during the night. Uh, out of all of the films that were nominated for Best Picture, this is the one I want to see the most. I haven't seen most of those films. The only one I actually saw was Get Out, although I do see all the movies at some point. And uh, for me, watching this, it reminded me of the famous horror movie Creature from the Black Lagoon, which I know Del Toro said he was inspired by. People that I know that have seen it also say it kind of reminds them of a Disney film from the 1950s, sort of a science fiction aquatic film. So given that I love horror films and love Disney, uh, I'm definitely going to see this. For me, this is my number one uh, film that I do want to see from the Best Picture category. Then three, Jack, I, this is something I thought about you because on a previous episode of the podcast, we talked about how much you love the uh, soundtrack and movie for The Greatest Showman. And um, I hadn't seen it yet. I'm looking forward to seeing it. And last night, as they do every year, all of the best song nominees gave a performance. And I knew the song, This Is Me, but I have to tell you that when I saw the performance, it kind of blew me away. I thought it was a great performance with a lot of energy. It was introduced by Zendaya, who is an actress in the movie, and it was the last song to perform. So you could tell that they kind of thought it would win because the performance would sort of blend into the eventual win for the song. But then it ended up losing to I'll Remember You from Coco, which is a good choice. I thought that was actually a, a nice song as well. And it's always good to see Disney win in any category. But for me, it was an upset because you had this loud, exciting number with a passionate performance losing to a song that to me was not quite as good. So, Jack, I want your thoughts on that. Um, I didn't see Coco, so I, I don't know how good the song is from that. But I heard, I know you really enjoyed the movie, so I assume it was pretty good. But um, in terms of This Is Me, it's funny. It was I, I love the movie, The Greatest Showman. But This Is Me actually wasn't my favorite song um, from the movie. I thought it's, it might be a little bit. It bias too because like when you watch the movie some of the songs work better when you're also you know watching the the dancing on screen take place because it really makes the this songs more enjoyable but this to me actually wasn't my favorite song but it was a really good song that's it's not to say it wasn't a good song but i thought for sure would win and like you said the way they built built it up it seemed that it was going to be taking home um the win but i mean you know they have a system of their own to decide who wins, but I'm a little bit upset about it because I thought this, the Greatest Showman should have gotten some more recognition, considering how good of a movie I thought it was, especially considering how how much the people who watched the movie, you know, 
aside from critics really enjoyed it so i thought it should have gotten a little bit more recognition so i'm a little bit upset about that but um it's still it's still my favorite movie so it's also another example of how the oscars and hollywood are out of touch with what people in the country really want and look very true coco was very popular and people loved it so it's nothing against that but clearly the fan favorite in this would have been this is me and it's a better song than i'll remember you uh but it to me that was shocking that it lost that was one of the major upsets of the show actually the biggest upset so kind of just annoyed me is the way i would describe it and then the final thought i had about the show was that it was overall not a good production it was way too long. One tally I saw showed it clocking in at three hours and 48 minutes. I thought it was boring, repetitive, and quite frankly, as much as I love movies and love pop culture, I don't know about you, Jack, but I'm just very tired of seeing the same stars at the same shows for the same movies. It's, I mean, acting is a great profession, and it's a profession that I have a lot of respect for, but I'm kind of tired of seeing actors give other actors awards when there's many other more noble professions in the world. Um, again, that's not an insult to actors who I admire, but it's just sort of like enough already. I'm tired of it. And uh, Jack, I want your thoughts. Yeah, I agree. I think people are getting sick of a lot of the stuff. And I think it's been sped up by, unfortunately, due to you know a lot of horrible things going on there it's become very like very politically charged when you watch any of the award ceremonies and you know when people watch movies when they watch tv when they, they go to the, see the, the theaters they just want an escape from a lot of that stuff and so i think the people are becoming sick of it because it's just constantly in their 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 frame of view and when they want to turn on you know the award ceremonies just you know relax and see some some uh you know some performances and see who won some awards uh, it, they, it's you know very stressful and and high intensity and I, so I think a lot of people are getting turned away from watching it due to that factor and like you said the same people are winning and um, getting you know getting praise from each other and it seems just very like you said out of touch with what a lot of what a lot of you know just regular people actually enjoy seeing and so it's translating now to lower viewership and I think it's going to continue to translate until they make some uh, some changes and also um, I also didn't think um, I don't honestly think he, he, he did the best of job he could have, I guess, but Jimmy Kimmel wasn't too funny, and I, and so I think that people didn't watch it because he, he was the host, just because like they didn't you know love um, what he was bringing to the table. But I know like Seth MacFarlane when he hosted the um, was it was it the Academy Awards? Or yes, the, he hosted Oscars? the Oscars. Yep. Yeah, and when he hosted it, there was it was one of their highest viewed shows, and it's just because he's extremely funny, you know what I mean? And he he entertained people. And um, some of the stuff was a little bit, you know, racy, but it was a very funny, entertaining show, and it had great views. So I think that's a lot of people are just getting sick and tired of it, like you said. Yeah, uh, Jack, what do you think of the segments where last night, for example, they? By the way, we're recording this on Monday. The Oscars were last last evening. They go to the movie theater next door and they interrupt the movie to give all the people in the audience candy and food. Is are you a fan of that stuff, or do you not like that stuff? I saw that clip on YouTube because I didn't actually watch the whole thing live. Yeah. And uh, it just looked very cringy to me. It didn't look too great. And uh, it looked a little, little bit uncomfortable for everyone involved. And while it's great to meet some uh, celebrities, I think a lot of times people are getting sick of it because um, celebrities are so infatuated with how much people love them. And so then they like go into the public and they want people to like give them praise for being there. And a lot of normal people are like, I'm just trying to watch a movie here. And so um, it's a little bit less enjoyable at times. Um, 
yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that stuff. I think there's other ways to add some humor to the show without doing some silly stuff like that. But mm-hmm. Also, that particular segment went on for very long, so that could have been yeah. a lot shorter. Yeah, that's true. The, um, the uh, what's his name, Piers Morgan wrote a column today in the Daily Mail, the British newspaper, about ways that he would change the Oscars to make it a better show, and I happen to agree with him. They include eliminating the many of the awards that people are not too interested in from the actual broadcast. Uh, he also complained about how every actress and actor was kissing up to Meryl Streep sitting in the first row, and I completely agree with that. It was kind of just nauseating to watch that. Um, the it, It's just... there's too much and none of the awards were really a surprise except for the one we just talked about which is this is me losing because at every single award show up to this point we've already seen the same things win there's no excitement and no mystery and uh, I, i think people are just getting a little bit tired of hollywood and that's not a political statement i think that applies to people on both sides of the political aisle i have had conversations with both Democrats and Republicans who are just fed up with Hollywood and them lecturing people on a variety yeah, exactly. of topics. Exactly. I, people are just tired of it because, like, like I said, people want to watch these movies and stuff for an escape. And instead, it's becoming, you know, too, too, it's more stressful than their normal lives. And also to that point you made, I know um, I, when, I, when I was watching the monologue, I noticed that Meryl Streep was in the very front row and she was also wearing – like everyone was wearing typical uh, – pretty not boring colors but she's wearing bright red and she's sitting in the direct front and like everyone else is like she stands out like a like a sore thumb and like while she's a fantastic actress i feel like like you were saying they need to pace away for some younger stars so there's some variety there and instead of you know her like i, I know it's a lot of you know very legendary stars they're not sitting in the very front row of the whole place you know they're in the back they're mixed between and they still have done just as much for the uh, industry and yet you know she's in the very front and making her presence known and i think we just be a little bit more productive to get give some younger and younger stars a chance you know to be you know the the face of of uh, Hollywood, especially considering a lot of people are more, more interested in you know some younger stars. So I I think there's definitely a need for some spring cleaning in, in Hollywood. I agree with that a hundred percent. Meryl Streep. Uh, I'm going to avoid saying anything because I don't want to get any hate mail from people that are big fans. I, I I admire her acting skills. I like watching her performances. I I think she's a wonderful actress. But she has said stuff recently which has really annoyed me, including a speech in which she said some very negative things about Walt Disney that were just quite simply not true. Uh, so I, I'm, not, I'm not happy with her, to say the least. But that's all I'll say about Meryl Streep. <laughs> um, Jack, we're now going to turn it over to you to share your thoughts on a special concert evening you attended this past weekend related to Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Thank you, Scott. So... At NJ Pack, they've been having these concert series. The, the most notably has been uh, this Harry Potter series that they've been having that I've been going to. But they're also going to be doing it with Star Wars next year. So that's also going to be really exciting. But we found out about it uh, before the second uh, film. Um, and so we went to it and it was really amazing. So basically what you do is you go and they have the movie playing on this you know jumbo screen in the the, um the auditorium and they have a live orchestra i believe it's just the new jersey orchestra uh playing along with the movie so all the music that you would typically hear when you're you know when you're watching the movie they play live and so it's a really awesome experience for a lot of reasons first of all there's a a ton of um spirit ton of support so all the fans for the movie a lot of them will come dressed up 
then at the beginning, the director, who's a super nice guy, who's also a fan of the films, he does a little, you know, cheer for each different house. And then um, throughout the film, what's really cool as well is when character walks on screen, say for the first time you'll hear a loud cheer or boo depending on who that character is and what their role is in the film and so people get really into it and um so at first i thought that was gonna be a little bit distracting throughout the film but it actually made it really enjoyable and um the fact that you're listening to it live just makes it that much better so the spirit's awesome and then also to do with the um the orchestra so obviously the music from those films is amazing uh or the music from the films are amazing but hearing it live makes it that much better because seeing the musicians play and the, and the passion they put into the music and hearing it it sounds amazing and um it's really uh, crazy to, just to notice how impeccable their performance is because it, it sounds just like it would if you were actually watching the movie and so it's been a really enjoyable experience we've seen two of them now the second and third film we're going we're planning on seeing the rest of them and they've been um really awesome experiences and i can't wait to see the next one and like i said next year they're doing uh, star wars i know they're doing the original trilogy i don't know if they're branching out into um technically one two three of the new trilogy but i'm excited to see um the old trilogy next year i'm excited to see the rest of the harry potter the rest of the harry potter concerts um i've really enjoyed it so jack did people come in costume yeah so several in terms of the spirit tons of people will come dressed up in costume um and they get really into it you know when you're walking up to your your designated seat and stuff in the escalators and elevators people will be uh you know throwing uh, uh insults at you if you're supporting a certain house and uh it, it's really an enjoyable experience and there's a great atmosphere around it and um it's 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 really cool uh jack i know we're going to talk in another episode about a wide variety of harry potter topics and get really in depth into the movies but uh, where do you rank Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban in your overall uh, Potter film list? Oof, that is that is tough. I try to when I'm doing these rankings exclude um, eight, you know, part one and part two, just because like I feel like they're their own kind of thing. Mm. But in terms of the other uh, seven, um, currently number five is my favorite, Order of the Phoenix. It's always been my favorite since I've been you know super young. Um, but it. it I think Prisoner of Azkaban would be second or third on my list for favorite Harry Potter films. And um, Prisoner of Azkaban is really long. It's, I think it's one of the longest, if not the longest, Harry Potter film. Uh, and that's because, you know, they, they do the whole thing and then they also go back in time and do it again. But I noticed when I was watching this part, and they have subtitles on the screen, you pick up a lot of details you didn't really notice when you're watching the movie originally. And it makes it that much more enjoyable. Um, but it was really it was really an awesome experience. And Prisoner of Azkaban is one of my favorites from the Harry Potter series. So. When you're at a concert performance like like this one, do you are you you're able to see the orchestra? Are they on stage or are they in the orchestra pit? I didn't hear that part. What was it? Uh, when you go to a concert like this one that you attended, are you able to see the orchestra or are they in the orchestra pit? So they have a screen that's hanging right above the stage. Age, and then the orchestra is entirely on the stage so you can see the orchestra and the director uh the entire time and then this particular film there's there's a little bit more singing in it some of the the parts so they actually had a a choir as well in mm -hmm. the back behind the orchestra so that was really cool as well to see them performing and um the, the really cool thing is you just don't even notice it if someone told you you're just watching the movie you don't notice that there's an orchestra or a choir because it sounds that perfect and when you go to something like like this do you notice things in the in the film score that you didn't notice before, or does it just overall enhance the experience by being there? In other words, did you notice things in the music that you hadn't recognized before because you were hearing it perform live? 
Um, to a degree, yeah. I think there's something really magical, not to be use a pun here, about what you know, seeing the movie live while also listening to the music performed live. It just feels that much more um, powerful. And so I, I, there are certain things you notice, but for the most part, it's just really cool to see the music music performed live um but like i said you really don't notice a huge difference just due to how well they perform um but it is really cool to see you know all the different um instruments and in, in you know in work and notice all the different intricacies you know i didn't notice they were doing a drum part there and they're doing it it's it's really cool to see it's uh this is something that's catching on at a lot of these regional theaters they're having film screenings where a live orchestra will perform the score i know that i bought a uh, dvd version of et a few years ago and one of the audio tracks on the dvd was a live performance it may have been by the los angeles philharmonic at the hollywood bowl and it was really cool to hear the audience clapping after key parts of the soundtrack so that actually was another question i had for you were people clapping during the film for music or did they wait till the end so people are, were clapping. Um, I noticed for this particular film, after some of the uh, choral performances, so after the the, the choral, was, you know, would sing a song that was already within the movie. People would clap after that. Um, but it really wasn't a ton of clapping for the scores themselves, um, but a lot for the characters. Like I said, so when characters came on screen, you know, a lot of cheers for certain characters. Right. Um, but then they also at the end they play out the the whole end scene credits, which is really cool. So at the end, obviously, there's a huge standing ovation and. Um, it's, it's really, um, really cool to see. You know, we talk a lot on our podcast here about Disney stuff. One of the things that I always thought Disney should consider opening up at Disney World or Disneyland would be a large movie theater. I know they have the AMC 24. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a classic old style movie house where each night they would show a classic Disney film and there would be a live orchestra playing the music i thought that would be a cool attraction for people to go that would be amazing to go to i've thought about that but i have no power except i i pay for tickets when i go to disney world but i did think that would be a cool uh, attraction for them to open up at disney springs or maybe at the magic kingdom or something like that but I, i've never heard disney talk about that that was just my own thinking yeah that'd be awesome but uh, jack it sounds like you had a great time at this the other night i'm really jealous and uh i'm kind of makes me want to rewatch some of the potter movies <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that Jack and I were saying is that we wanted to take the discussion on the Prisoner of Azkaban concert evening and turn it into a larger discussion about some of our favorite film scores in general. And uh, I'll kick it off by mentioning a uh, film score for a movie that I just spoke of a second ago, which is the score to uh, the Steven Spielberg movie E.T. Now, uh, this is my favorite film of all time. On a future episode, we'll have to get into it, and I'll tell you why. But it also is my favorite film score of all time. And uh, this is really for several reasons. Uh, Just like The Prisoner of Azkaban, this film score was written by the legendary John Williams. Uh, To me, it works well on two fronts. One, when you're watching the movie, the film score sort of carries the storyline of the movie. It works tremendously well with what you're seeing on screen. There's emotion conveyed in the score in a very pronounced way. But also, I've listened to the film score just on uh, on CD and digital, and uh, that's without seeing the film in front of me. And it's the type of thing where when I listen to it, it's almost like I'm watching the movie in my mind. I could picture everything that happened on screen just by listening to the music. And this is something that happens a lot with John Williams' scores. He's very... Um, 
he, he has an ability to tell stories with his music, which is quite remarkable. Uh, and that ha- that's the case with Harry Potter, E.T., Star Wars, and others. Uh, one of my favorite parts of the E.T. score is the soaring melody that comes in whenever E.T. takes off on the bicycle along with Elliot and his friends. That's really just absolutely beautiful music when combined with the legendary imagery of E.T. flying against the moon. That's something that really sticks with me. Uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen E.T., it came out in the 1980s, so it's uh, I don't feel I even need to say spoiler alert. But anyhow, the final scene in the movie is quite emotional when E.T. leaves planet Earth to return to his home planet. And uh, it's not only a powerful scene visually, uh, enhanced by Spielberg's legendary storytelling skills, but the John Williams music is dramatic, emotional, and just quite beautiful. It hits me every time. Um, And the final point I want to make about the E.T. score is that it's loud and powerful when it needs to be, but it's soft and contemplative when it needs to be. And for example, when the end credits kick in after one of the most emotional scenes I've ever seen in film, which is the scene I was just speaking of when E.T. leaves, the E.T. melody comes in on just a basic piano playing it. So you had the loud orchestra noise, Credits begin, and it's just a piano. It's really quite a transition, but it works extremely well. So the E.T. score, for me, is uh, my favorite of all time and the first one I wanted to mention. Jack, do you uh, you remember the E.T. score? So I've never really been a huge fan of E.T., um, probably because it came out a little before my time. But um, I, the music's awesome. And John Williams, speaking about you know film scores and soundtracks, John Williams is by far... Um, one of my favorite composers, and I actually have a whole playlist, you know, just dedicated to his music. Phone that I listen to, um, you know, Star Wars, Superman, obviously uh, Harry. Just you know, he's so talented. And oh, another little interesting story. Um, I think it was last year. My my older brother who goes to BC. They have this festival every year. Um, it's a called like bc on the on the pops or something it's this big uh, choral festival they have and john williams actually came and performed live one of the scores from star wars and uh, i actually didn't go but my parents went and they said it was amazing and, and uh he's even more talented to you know watch in person see he conducts but um he's one he's probably my favorite composer and um i know also we've talked about this group before in the past this group voctave but on youtube you can search up uh, the great movie medley and they do a whole medley combining some of john williams um, best songs and it's all a cappella and Ooh. so he, he's awesome an awesome composer and we're big fans of his on the show so absolutely uh you know what we'll link to that in the show notes that video that you just spoke of that would be great uh, Jack, do you want to speak about a film, or should I turn to my next one that I had? Um, well, in the in the same note, uh, like I said, John Williams is one of my favorite uh, composers, and uh, music in Episode Three of Star Wars is um, by far my favorite of all of his work. I thought the music in that was just extremely powerful, and while a lot of people didn't like the new trilogy, um, I thought, like you said, the emotion his his music made into a lot of the scenes made the movie that much more enjoyable for me, and so that's probably my favorite work of his. Uh, that's a great choice, Jack. Uh, you know what one of my favorite scenes in that movie is uh, in terms of the John Williams score? It's when Anakin is fighting Obi-Wan and uh, Obi-Wan is near tears and uh, is sort of begging Anakin not to turn to the dark side. And it's a very, it's actually one of my favorite scenes in all of the Star Wars movies. And when you combine it against the John Williams score, I thought it's 
breathtaking. Just just absolutely yeah. breathtaking. Yeah, exactly. And that scene specifically is probably my favorite in all the Star Wars movies. And I know a lot of people hate on the the new trilogy, but I don't know how you can with that that um very powerful scene from the ending of episode three um and that that like you said the combination of the really good acting by Ian mcgregor and um also uh, christian haydenson and uh combined with the music just makes it an unforgettable scene so definitely my, my favorite work of his you know what's awesome about the star wars uh, music is that it's become so popular and it's, it's so good that at other non-film how should I say this? When it comes to non-film things, for lack of a better phrase, the Star Wars music is often used to convey a message. So, for example, when I go to Yankee games during the baseball season, when the visiting lineup is introduced, they play the Imperial March. And it's all about just you hear that music and you know the music represents something bad. And it could apply to Vader and his army and the Empire, or it can apply to uh, the visiting team playing the Yankees. And then when the Yankees get introduced, the music kicks into more of the upbeat Star Wars music representing the Rebels. So the music takes on a life of its own outside of the Star Wars universe, which is almost unheard of when it comes to film scores. And and also another interesting antidote, I, I don't remember the exact specifics of it, but I saw on... Um on Instagram that there was a, a uh, I want to say it was in India, that one of the leaders walked out to the Imperial March at one of his rallies or something, uh, just just to note how, how much the music conveys a certain message, not only in uh, you know Star Wars fan worlds, but across the world. And I don't know the specifics of it. I'll try to find the video and link to it in the show notes, but that was something really interesting I saw. That is interesting. Yeah, if you could link to that, that would be great. Um, the next film I wanted to talk about, and I'll go a little bit quicker through this because it's yet another John Williams score. I mean, we could send two hours probably talking about John Williams, but it's the film score to Superman. This is the original film uh, starring Christopher Reeve as Superman. Uh, again, it's sort of like Star Wars, and it's just this powerful music that kicks in. It has a, The main theme has a slow buildup, and then when the main part of the song begins, it sort of pumps you up, it gets you excited, and it represents Superman's strength. Uh, basically, it builds into a burst of powerful melodic sound. And the other reason I love this score is because there's a scene in the original movie which is really fun to watch. It's where Superman flies with Lois Lane around the New York skyline, and they have the main theme of Superman, but slowed down to a uh, sort of a soft romantic version and that's what i was speaking about earlier this john williams ability to take his themes and work them in heavy orchestrations but also quieter slower ones so that's definitely worth checking out if you're a fan of his music uh jack what are your thoughts on the superman score um again one of my favorites uh, and i also wanted to note i'd feel bad if i didn't mention this when we're talking about john williams um he's done so much amazing work but we also should note some of his other most popular work obviously being Indiana Jones and also Jurassic Park which are also some of his his greatest um, compositions in those films and um, in, you know tying with Superman Star Wars those films uh, his his music has a way of making a movie even better than it already is just because of what he can do with certain scenes by by his you know his music in different scenes and that's that's something quite special and why he's such a very popular famous and you know world-renowned uh, composer and also he did the theme to Jaws as well yeah, of course. Which is great. It seems like all of his themes have been featured at theme parks around the world because of all of these it's attractions. True. <laughs> yeah. So the 
The final film score I wanted to mention on tonight's episode is the film score to the movie The Natural, starring Robert Redford and Kim Basinger. This is one of the greatest baseball movies ever made, and the music for the film was composed by Randy Newman. Uh, The movie takes place uh, in the early 20th century, so the music often has an old-time sound. There are certain scenes in the movie, which, in case you haven't seen it, involve a baseball being hit very powerfully by Robert Redford's character, and then it hits the lights in a baseball stadium and the lights explode. And when that happens, this classic sports theme kicks in that is still used to this day in various sports broadcasts, including... Uh, I believe it was recently used in the Olympics broadcasts, and it just is legendary and gets you excited and pumped up and glad to be watching. So the, the natural film is wonderful, and there's also slower parts of the score that evoke n- nostalgia for me that anyone can relate to, uh, even non-sports fans. So I really love this movie. I love this score, and I encourage all of you to check it out. Well, we had some good choices here. If there's any film scores that you like, and want to share with us, be sure to write to us, and we'll uh, we'll be sure to post about it online. Uh, Jack, you uh, you have an exciting announcement about our podcast website that you'd like to share. Yeah, so recently, we've been, had this in the works for a while. Recently, we've launched our blog page on our website. So now when you go to www.stuffwelovepodcast.com, you'll not only see our page, obviously, with all of our podcast episodes, but if you just move over to the blog page, we're now going to be having um, regularly updated posts about a variety of topics. So I know the first article we have up is by Scott, and it's about um, record stores, which is something we've discussed on the show. Um, but now it just gives you a little bit more information, and we'll give us a chance, you know, link to really cool things that we're really excited about. And then um, also through the website, you can uh, categorize it by author. You can click on Scott's name and see all of his writing. And we're going to have just a ton of writing on there about a lot of different things. And when we do post there, it's all going to be shared on our Twitter and Facebook, so you can stay up to date with that and see what different postings we've had, but we're really excited about it. And it also features the ability for all of our viewers, anyone on the site to comment. So if you want to have uh, start a conversation about a certain topic, you can put in a comment and um, anyone else can as well. So we're really excited to get talking with you guys on the blog post and see what you guys are interested in and what your thoughts are on a variety of topics. So like I said, you can just go to our website, head over to the blogs page and you can check out all of our different posts there. So we're excited to see uh, what everyone thinks. Thanks, Jack. Yeah, I was excited to write the first post, and some of the posts will be longer, some will be shorter, but they'll all relate to the types of things that we talk about here on the air. So please, everyone, visit and uh, let us know what you think. And now we're going to turn to our very popular Stuff We Love segment, where we talk about anything that we're enjoying right now, whether it be a product, a TV show, a movie, a song, a video game, etc. So, Jack, start us off tonight. What is something you love right now? Let's talk about some stuff we love. Not recently, about two weeks ago, I got the iPhone 10. And um, just to start off, one thing I loved about it is I hadn't gotten upgraded in a while for our uh, our phone. And um, when we talked to Sprint, we've been with Sprint for a while. So they gave us the upgrade from my iPhone 6 to the iPhone 10 for completely free and so you know one of the biggest complaints with the iphone 10 is its cost so i i guess i can't really describe too well what my thoughts are on that because i got was i was really lucky enough to get it for free and so from what i've been using it performance wise everything i've loved it so my old iphone 6 had very minimal storage i think it only had 12 to 16 gigabytes and then new iPhone 10 has 64 gigabytes, which for me is just such a tremendous leap. And it's been something I really loved instead of having to constantly clear out photos, you know, apps, um, be cautious about how many apps I have. I've been able to get anything I want on this phone, use as many apps as I wanted. And what I've loved about it is it runs 
really, really quickly. Um, everything works super efficiently, and I've been really enjoying the interface overall. Um, one of the biggest not complaints, but one of the biggest uh, cautions when people were, were thinking about the iPhone X is the fact that they did remove the home button. And so being that I've used iPhones for a while, I was afraid I was going to not love the change. But it's funny, within like a day or two, I was already adjusted to the new phone and actually enjoying it better, the new feature they have, where you just swipe up from the bottom of the screen to go between apps, to close apps, and it's just a lot faster, and I'm not, it makes it a lot more efficient uh, to the to the point where I'm actually a lot, you know, very happy uh, that they got rid of the home button because I don't really see the, the purpose of it anymore. Um, and so I've really enjoyed it. In, in addition to that, they've also improved the audio. I don't know if this is a note or something. I've just uh, noticed that the audio seems to be coming out of where it used to be is coming out of the bottom of the phone, coming out of a, different, a couple different places. So it makes it a lot more balanced and a lot stronger sounding overall. Um, but I've just been really impressed. And obviously, it's a bigger screen. Um, so when you're watching anything on it, it's a lot more enjoyable because there's a lot more screen. So you can, you know, you know, obviously, you can see the show a lot better. But I've just been really impressed with the new iPhone 10 overall. And it, it hasn't disappointed me. Also, with the battery life, it's been super, uh, super endurant. It's been able to get me through the entire day with my old phone. I'd have to use a charging case and charge it several times throughout the day. And uh, one other thing I'm just going to note in addition to the iPhone 10 is uh, a little tie into the iPhone 10's new abilities is in the Anchor uh, charging pad. So we've talked a lot about Anchor products. They're a tech company who has a lot of cool things. And so when I got the iPhone 10, noticed that it has the new uh, touch charging capabilities. The first thing I did was get the go online on Amazon and pick up the Anchor charging pad. And, and it's been absolutely amazing. Um, I never thought I'd be too upset about you know switching from a cord to just the charging pad, but it, it actually makes your life a lot easier. Uh, this is like the definition of a first world problem, but it's it's really enjoyable switching, not having to reach over for the cord every once in a while, and just being able to put it down on the pad, and it charges super quickly and it's super uh, reliable. And so I've been really impressed with the iPhone X overall. And speaking of the fact that I can't complain about the cost, there's really been no drawbacks for me from switching, mm-hmm. and I I really enjoyed it. Uh, Jack, uh, you mentioned that the sound quality is better on the iPhone X. Uh, that's that's a real thing. The uh, iPad Pro recently had a major sound upgrade, and Apple continued that on to the release of the iPhone uh, X. So that's uh, the sound is definitely better. I've noticed that as well. I have the iPhone X, and so does uh, Joe from our podcast. Neil's the only one that uh, that doesn't. I think he's still on iPhone six. Oof, he's on he's on the iPhone three, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> The uh, yeah, it's really a great phone. I love it. It's ultra fast. I don't know if you'd mentioned that, but it's it's a very fast phone too. The speed is great, which makes playing games really really awesome. And um, it's great when you're doing a lot of social networking when you're on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. It just makes the whole experience much more seamless. So I really love the iPhone uh, 10 as well. Great uh, stuff. We love recommendation, Jack. Uh, for me this week, I'm going to talk about a new TV show that I've been watching on Netflix streaming. It's called Everything Sucks. It's a uh, comedy show focusing on a group of high school students that takes place in the 1990s in a town called, I think this is the right state, by the way. It's called Boring, Indiana. That's actually the name of the town. I don't know if that's a real place that exists. But for me, I grew up in the 1990s. I was born in 1980, and the 1990s were when I spent time in high school. So I have very fond memories of the music of the nineties and what the culture was like at that time. And those are things that are really focused on in the TV show. Every episode has a great soundtrack. The acting is really good. There's nobody really famous in the show. No one that I even really recognized, but uh, it's just a very enjoyable um, tale about a group of students in high school together who 
are unlikely friends, but who come together for the purpose of uh, making a uh, a fun movie, and also deals with a romantic storyline about two students that start dating. And I, I won't get too into the nitty gritty details, but it's a good show, and I encourage all of you to check it out. It's fun and. Uh, like I said, has a great soundtrack. So that's Everything Sucks on Netflix. It's streaming now and from what I understand is doing quite well. Uh, so that's uh, what we have in terms of stuff we love. Uh, I want to thank everyone for tuning into this week's episode. This was our 10th episode, so that's, uh, that's a nice achievement, and we thank all of you for subscribing and tuning in. We encourage all of you to follow us on our various social media platforms. We are on Twitter at Stuff We Love Pod. We're on Instagram at Stuff We Love Podcast. Please like us on Facebook. If you search for Stuff We Love Podcast, you'll find our page. We're uh, posting content there and hope to do more in the future. We have a website, www.stuffwelovepodcast.com. Earlier in this episode, Jack mentioned we now have a blog on the website. There's a lot of cool stuff. You could read bios of the hosts. You could see products that we recommend. And if you go to our products page, you'll find links to places like Amazon. And if you click those links... Even if you don't buy the product we feature, the uh, show gets a little benefit from your making a purchase through that link. So we encourage everyone to visit. Uh, you can reach us at stuffwelovepodcast at gmail.com if you'd like to email us. We encourage all of our fans to write in. And please leave us those five-star reviews on iTunes. We really appreciate it, and it's a great way for us to continue to build up our listener base. So we have some really exciting episodes coming up. Many of you have been asking for a review of Black Panther. That's going to be coming up pretty soon, and we'll have a special guest on for that episode. We also have several other guests uh who will be coming on the show shortly, and I think you're really going to like it. So uh, thanks again for tuning in. Once again, I'm Scott. I'm Jack. And this has been the Stuff We Love podcast.